need to hear about this gospel. He said every man needs to hear this gospel because from the White House all the way to the drug house, it can change me. Rome had great intellect. Rome had a great military. Rome had great competitors. But Rome had no conscience. <clears throat> Rome and their diabolical sin nature, they had no conscience. They had went so far that they couldn't even feel their conscience working on them anymore. That this might be wrong. Complete, completely bankrupt. Paul followed. And Paul believed. I want you to ask you a question. Do you really believe that the gospel would change people? Paul went to a, a society that had no conscience within themselves as a whole. And he thought, you know what? God can change them. Because you treasure you value in high regard what you know to have worked on you. You see, he understood exactly who he was. He was a debtor. <clears throat> he was, if I've said he was a debtor, I'm a debtor both to the Greek and to the barbarian, both wise and the unwise. So as much as in me, I am ready to preach the gospel <coughs> to you that are in Rome also. Greek philosophy, Roman law, Hebrew life, all, all, all was nothing compared to the gospel. That was in Paul. Let me give you this second one. This is where I'm going to try to stay at just for a few minutes this morning. We must understand the power behind the gospel to understand the power of the gospel. We must understand the power behind the gospel. I know this is probably elementary for some of you. For the rest of you, just hang on. We must understand the power behind the gospel to understand the power of the gospel. The gospel is Christ. And without Christ, there is no gospel. You know, I found out the hard way that the world would kill to have Christianity without Christ. That's right. The world would die before men to have a religion, a Christianity of morals and value, but have no Christ at the helm of that. Yes, sir. Long as you do not mention the name of Christ, people are not offended by God, they're offended by Christ. Right. They're not offended by the name of God. They're offended by Jesus Christ. Yes. You know why we're oppressed in this country? Because one name that is above every name. Jesus. Yes. You know why we're ridiculed for the name? We're ridiculed for one name and one name alone. That name is Jesus. Amen. Yes, sir. Yes. Now we know it is a wonderful name. But not everybody believes it's a wonderful man. Right. John 14, 6, he said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No man can the Father but by me. There is only one way, and that name is Jesus. Amen. And we're living in a day that, do not, that does not want to be told that there is only one way. 
We want to believe there's multiple ways to God. That everybody gets to God in their own way. The Masonic Lodge is going to get to God by their own way. The, the Moose Lodge is going to get to God by their own way. The Jehovah's Witness is going to get to God by their own way. I, the, the Mormons, the, the Catholic, they're all going to get to God their own way. Listen and listen well. You're not going to get to God any other way than that one name, yes. Jesus. Amen. Amen. There is no other way. It is one way. It's a straight way. It's Amen. a narrow way. It is Christ. That's right. Yes, Amen. People would kill have this kind of religion, though, without Him at the head. Because He makes you do things. Because it convicts your conscience. Let me say this. If you've never been convicted, if you don't have a problem with sin, look at your own life and see, have I been born again? Because it's only that one name that saves. Yes, sir. People hate to hear Jesus. Don't you listen to me. There, there are several words in verse 6. Don't you look with me in verse number 16 verse number 17. There's seven words in verses 16 and verses 17. The very first word is power. Don't you notice? Don't you notice God? There's another word, salvation. Another word, verse number 17, righteousness. Then we have the word faith. Then in verse, in verse 17, we have, the, we have just. Don't you, don't you listen to me? Don't you listen to what I'm trying to listen to you? and I, you can take every one of them words for the call. He's got them up there. Power. Christ is the power of God. Do you know what this power is? The power behind the gospel is Jesus Christ. If you take Jesus away from the gospel, there is no power. Try it. The power of the gospel. You have God. Christ is God. First Timothy chapter number three, verse sixteen. Then you have the word salvation. Christ is salvation. Luke chapter number two. Christ is our righteousness. Christ is our faith, the author and the finisher of our faith. Christ is our justifier. The Bible said the just shall live by faith. My life is God's. My life is God. John 6 and verse 51. You see, if we if we properly analyze if we properly analyze the scripture to see what it says and how it really works and what it really means, he, he said, "I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ." That's right. Maybe some will say it. Maybe some will. Don't ask the question. Does the Bible say? Does the Bible say that the gospel contains power? The Bible doesn't say that the gospel contains power. The Bible doesn't say that the gospel exerts power. The Bible says that the gospel is the power. 
You can take God and you can put Him in one place, but without the reaction of Christ beside that God, we have a dead religion because we cannot connect with God. How many of you understand that? That we have no connection with God outside of this one Christ. That we have no connection with God. So you and I are standing in a place this morning that without properly understanding the gospel, told today that the church has no power. You can probably be right. That many are running around, running crazy, trying to figure out where the church has lost its power. I got friends right now that are, that are wondering what in God's name has happened to the church. Where did the church lose it? Where did the church go wrong? The church must unite and you'd be right. The church must reach the youth and the next generation and you'd be right. But the church is not the power. The church members is not the power. The preacher is not the power. The methods are not the power. The music is not the power. The only power that we've lost in our churches is that of the gospel. Yes, sir. That's good. Now I'm going to tell you in my own life, I've got caught up here and there with different ideologies and thoughts about things. Let me just all be real honest and practical for a minute that we, every one of us in this room, at some point or another has got caught up in something that had nothing to do with the gospel. Yes, sir. Amen. That we had been caught up in telling everybody what they ought to do without getting caught up in the gospel. That the only changing formula in our in, in our Bible is the gospel. That's it. Yeah. There is nothing else that will change a man. You cannot make a man better. He can turn over a new leaf, but that leaf will turn brown as soon just as sure as the world. You're right. There is nothing outside of the gospel. You think about the powerful, the powerful waterfalls of Niagara. And the, the tons and, and tons and millions and millions of gallons of water that fall off of Niagara. And you would look at it and say, look at the splendor. Look at the most powerful side. Our, one of the most powerful sides our world has ever known. And it would not compare, would not be a drop in the bucket up beside the gospel. It's only the gospel that takes men that are depraved in their sin and actually makes them do something else. I'm talking about men that would that would walk the line of wickedness for years, but do an about face when this gospel was presented, and they would have said, "Don't you listen to this? This is the most interesting fact of all to me about this gospel." And this is just this just blows my mind. Brother Tim, blows my mind. All God asks us to do was believing. That's it. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to do better. All God asked us to do was believe it. He said the just shall live by works. The just shall live by faith. How does the gospel change people, preacher? By faith. 
How, how does it work? Childlike faith. A simple belief. And Bible's plain that this is a simple gospel. That's why it's so hard for so many people to understand. But it is simply the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Right. According to 1 Corinthians chapter number 15, yeah. verses number 3 and 4, that the death, the burial, and the resurrection. Yes, sir. That's the gospel. That's right. How is this so reactive in other people's life? But maybe it ain't in yours. How is this so transforming in your life, preacher? But not in mine. See, listen to what I'm saying. God has given you the ability of free will. And until you put your whole faith and trust lock, stock, and barrel in this gospel, it's never going to move you to transformation. You can preach it all day long. You can say it all day long. I can say it like the script on blue in the face. You can say it you're blue in the face. But you come to the point where you understand that my faith, I'm talking about simple faith is all God's looking for. You don't ever have to worry about it changing you. You don't ever have to worry about the gospel changing you until simple faith is brought into the picture. I'm talking about simple faith brought in. I'm talking about, yes, I believe what God said. Bible said, we're, we're going to move over there in a couple of weeks. But the Bible said, Abraham believed God. And it was counted unto him as righteousness. That he was a friend of God. How did he turn into a friend of God? One day he believed. God. Yes, sir. But his belief came with behavior. His belief came with him leaving the earth, the, the land of the earth of Chaldees, and going where God called him to go. You see, you and I have to understand that this gospel is not a gospel that we get to look at, but it is a gospel of participation. You and I, come on, brother Jeremy. You and I must understand this morning two simple thoughts this morning. When you treasure the gospel, you'll become a debtor to it. You'll become a debtor to the church that the church that, that this church is it's founded on the gospel. This morning, I wanted to stop right there because. The next couple of weeks are going to be way heavier. Way heavier. But I'm worried that in this day we live in, that we've gotten so used to the buzzwords, born again, child of God, saved, that we have forgotten that there really is a gospel that saves and changes people. Yes, sir. I'm going to go, I'm going to go this far and say to those of us in here that are saved, that the gospel will change you saved where you are. Yes, sir. If you'll start understanding that this is where our foundation lies. I don't have anything else. I don't have anything else. The preacher... Do you ever have problems? I wish to God I could tell you how many problems I have sometimes. 
Most of my problems are right here, though. Preacher, you ever have any doubts? I wish to God I could tell you about some of my doubts. You ever have any fear? Absolutely I have fear. Brother Dorsey said something a long time ago. He said, it's back several months ago. He said, sometimes I can't tell whether it's conviction. Was it conviction or just my conscience? That's right. He said, I've been in church so long, sometimes I can't tell whether it's just conviction or whether it's my conscience. He said, sometimes my own conscience and my own heart condemns me. And tells me things that ain't true. God help us. If we ever get back to this simple foundation that's been laid in the book of Romans, that the only thing we have to stand on is the gospel. That's it. Yes. I don't have anything else to stand on. I don't have anywhere to go back to. I don't have anything else to... I, I can't measure up. I don't have enough good works to measure up with anybody in here. I mean, mine, mine, are, mine, are, mine are terrible. When you compare them to the gospel. When you compare what I am and what I've done and the wickedness that I've been a part of to the glorious light of God's Son, they're terrible. And do you get to that point? I don't believe some of us will ever gain anything. I believe some of us is going to live in bondage for years on end because we will not come to the point to where we realize we must throw everything we have at the feet of the gospel and say, I don't have any problems. My mind's jacked up. My feelings are jacked up. I'm messed up. I, I mean, I'm wishy-washy as the day is long. I'm fearful sometimes. I'm doubtful sometimes. I get in despair sometimes. I don't have anything to stand on. All I got is Jesus. All I got. Yeah, there's been times when I've tried to ride the coattails of my wife and her joy and her peace when my peace wasn't there. Somebody ought to say amen out there. Amen. You know, what I do? You've jumped on the coattails of somebody else into <clears throat> the church house and tried to ride on their coattails of peace and their coattails of joy because you didn't have none. And you don't have none because you're trying to work up everything in your life to be something that it ain't because you ain't good, I ain't good, there's only one good. Yes, sir. What are we standing on this morning? What are we standing on this morning? What do we value this gospel at this morning? Let's do this. Every head bowed and right close. I wonder how many of you be honest. You said, preacher, I let my mind overtake me sometimes. Let my mind overtake me sometimes, and I'll let thoughts in my mind get to me. Preacher, I'm doing what I can to live for the Lord, but I let. I let things get to me more than anything, preacher. Let me see your hand. Let me see your hand. Amen. How many of you put your hand?